All right, shall we do a formal introduction and get started? We should. I'm just moving right. this thing. I'm going to, okay. it's not an earthquake, I'm just moving my camera. But hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tapcalf Transmissions, our Star Wars book club podcast, where myself and my cozy co-host Eckhart's Ladder, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. Justin, mm-hmm. a.k.a. not Star Wars Explained, nope. uh, talk That's about other one. different books. And right now, we are going to be talking about Jedi Academy 3, Champions of the Force, that's the third Jedi Academy book. That's the last one. This yes, is it. Well, sort of. Well, sort of the yeah. last one. So should um, we should we lead off with that? Yeah, let's let's lead off with our big announcement, uh, guys. We've seen this comment blazing across the internet. It was number three in trending on Twitter uh, Brazil yesterday. Um, it's been all over Facebook, and we've decided that we will in fact read I Jedi as our next book to kind of cap off the Jedi Academy trilogy, instead of going to Isard's Revenge like we were initially planning. So we've heard, we saw the protests, um, we've heard you guys loud and clear, basically. Thanks for keeping us honest. Yeah, so we've, we figured we needed to ease back into Corrin, so mm-hmm. uh, we're going <laughs> to, I guess it's not really easing back into Corrin. It's a good transition between Jedi Academy and... Uh, to be honest, Corrin is just th- the pure sexual energy that will get everyone through this uh, pandemic, so... They're, like, the the thirsty stack pull rating in uh, iJedi is just <laughs> off the charts, so... Oh, well, I haven't read it for ages. I've got it s- sitting on my bookshelf to my right. It's... Or, sorry, to my left. It's, I think, my only hardcover Legends book. Um, is that one of the ones you got in that... Uh, last haul that you showed me or was that you know how um that twin sons foundation like how they donate books to kids like in hospitals and stuff oh you steal them yeah i do the opposite i steal them right from from sick kids especially uh no but it it was i did get it in one of my last book hauls um i got like 30 books or in over my last two hauls i've gotten like 30 books for like Hmm. 50 bucks so it's good not as good a deal as you get online but yeah, the after I got the, I think I ordered like fifty online that mm-hmm. time for like ten cents each. I paid easily twice as much in shipping as I did for the actual books, but I, w- I was happy with it. I need to start once the world opens up again. Going for, uh, going for my value village trips. Mm, yeah, my my used bookstore is actually still open, but it's like a, it's like a dank, dirty labyrinth, like. I don't think I want to be in there with coronavirus around. Yeah. Um, I did get two copies of, I forget which book, one of the Corellian trilogy books. I got two of them. And I think I maybe might have gotten two for one of the Black Fleet Crisis books as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think those are going to be the ones that show up most in used bookstores after this, because maybe while everyone's like isolated, they're going to mm. just go back through, read their Star Wars books, and they're like, mm, well, <laughs> bye back Black Fleet Crisis. <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't, yeah, we'll see. That and just, there is always a lot of swarm war in there. Um, yeah, th- that is true. Yeah, a lot of swarm war. Um, so, so I mean, the, all, I find all my books are in really good quality, which is kind of funny because I've read this, I got the uh, the three Jedi Academy books. I didn't own them as a kid, but I'm... Those have been lost a ton, but I got these these new ones off Amazon with like the Legends banner, and I've read them once now, and the spine is already like 
mm. in really rough shape. And, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, brutish with my books. Like, I don't, like, you know... I treat them about as good as my son, so, like, he doesn't have any bruises or anything. Well, I saw the video that you posted on Twitter of you using the little squirt gun on your books, and that's just, <laughs> I think that might be what's going on. No, there. no, that one was against my son. It's okay. Oh, sh- I always get them confused. He loved it, though. The books, yeah, not so much. But, but yeah, I, I read through them once, uh, and the spines are completely busted. Same with my uh, Essential Guide to Warfare. I've went through, I think, four versions of those, because... The binding on that is just really terrible. Yeah, but if you read it every day to make a video, then... Yeah, the Essential Guide to Warfare has put Gus through university. Yeah. Gotta branch out to, like, RPG guides like me. That's where that's where the real videos are. You know where the real videos are? The untapped resource? Star Wars Fact Files. Mm. I used one of those the other day for the... I did a thing on the Diamond Cruiser insider fact files that yeah the obscure stuff that are harder for people to find so they don't have access to that information usually that's the public service we provide but speaking of providing a public service we have a podcast yes the star wars podcast yeah the only one yeah we we talk about this every time but we are the only and premier star wars podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, any others that you may hear of are actually just copying us no matter when they started that's true uh but do you have any opening thoughts on today's book champions of the force yeah i've got one oh sorry that was really loud i just topped out my audio uh cory you have to fix you're gonna have to fix that in post yeah i've got one thought um and it's kind of about my my fan theory from last time that Akbar, it's not a fan theory at this point. This is 100% no. confirmed in text in Champions of the Force. It had been a fan theory. And I, I was I was half joshing about it, but I, I did think there was some stuff there. About Akbar and Winter, you know, he was probably using his muscular hands, which got another shout-out in this book, to uh, maybe, maybe slap some cheeks. Um, and there's a clear, like... I'm not going to say sexual dynamic between Winter I am. and uh, you are, yeah, okay. Anything involving Akbar is sexual, but there's there's like some clear romance between Akbar and Winter. You see, especially, because you messaged me before I'd finished the book saying, like, more Akbar Winter thing things, and I think the clearest scene of their romance is the very last one. Yeah, they, it was yeah. the most clear, like, you can read scenes with Han and Leia, and there's far less sexual tension than with uh, Akbar and Winter. Yeah. Like, it... Well, here, I, I can just read... Because people probably think that we're, like, we're memeing around. No, this is one hundred. We do jokes on this, uh, this only Star Wars podcast sometimes, but let me just see if I can find the quote. It's one of the last... Uh... Um, it's is it with uh, when Silgul's curing Mothma? No, it's like when they're at the or at uh, Anoth still. Yeah, I was no, I was th- not, it's not at Anoth. It's when they're at um, they're back watching the new tower get like tested. Remember on the new uh, what's the, what's the planet called again? Where he crashes the shit? Oh, Vortex. Vortex. Yeah. Um, right. The basically the epilogue scene. Yep. So. Akbar nodded solemnly, looking at the human woman. Wait, did you say nodded or nutted? (laughs) How do you nut solemnly? (laughs) I don't know. 
You just like take a moment of silence afterwards. You just fucking went straight into that. Like, okay, it's gonna be a slow build up. <laughs> just the scene opens. Akbar. Uh, looking at the human woman who had served for so many years as Leia's close personal aide, I am pleased that you had your that you yourself have been freed from exile on Anoth. He said, "I was concerned for you. Your personal talents and perceptiveness are greatly needed, and I have always valued your input." Akbar could see that Winter masked her expression carefully allowing just a glimmer of a smile to show that she was holding back as much as he was. Good, then, Winter said. We shall be seeing a great more deal of each other in the times to come. Akbar nodded to her. I would enjoy that. Like, they're he for was... sure, like, doing the deed. Like, like 100%, right? Yeah, and yeah, okay. come on. Admiral Akbar held himself rigidly at attention beside white-robed Winter. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. What else could that mean? If I were in grade 12 English class again, um, my teacher, Madame McDonald, or Miss McDonald, I don't know why I said Madame, probably because she taught me French as well, she would have said for sure that Akbar there represents a penis. Uh, Kevin J. Anderson is on Twitter, I think. Without being rude, we should probably just spam him questions. Like, like not like spam, but we should all just ask if uh, he meant for... It to be romantic. I think it's pretty clear that he did. Yeah, Especially like, I given think that's the last book. That's entirely reasonable. Like it, it has gone past funny fan theory into legitimate thing that is probably happening. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed at the quality of online um, Akbar Winter uh, fan fiction. This is actually like, why did... we weren't able to do the podcast last week with how we were supposed to. Uh, yes. I said it was because. Uh, Justin was busy, (laughs) but it's actually because he didn't actually read the book yet. He was too busy (laughs) looking up Akbar winter fan fiction, just (laughs) on then eventually writing my own to fill the void, (laughs) bring some light to this goddamn dark internet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Um, I've kind of divided the, the book into four plots. There's like, there's the Kip stuff, the Luke stuff, uh, the Mon Mothma and Anakin stuff I've kind of grouped together because it's fer- it's more of a Fergan subplot. Mm. Uh, and then we have uh, what I like to call the Death Star or unnecessary plot. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I do this have to say really going in, layout. yeah. Like it, it's, it's very strange because like Exar Kun, and by the way, I, I'm listening to the audiobook for this as well. Um, and Was it a it is a bridge, but it's a, it's a good abridgment. Um, but the narrator, whenever he says Exar Kun, he says Exar Kun. <laughs> just like, like, excuse me, it's just like really weird how he says it. Like every time, it takes him like ten seconds. He's like Luke walked down and he saw the spirit of Exar Kun. <laughs> like uh, it is a weirdly paced book. It must be an easy one to abridge because there's a lot that you can mm-hmm. kind of just get rid of. Yeah, because that should be, like, the defeat of Exar Kun should be, like, at least happening alongside the final battle. But it happens so much before. It happens, like, yeah. probably literally half of the way in. Yeah, like, there's basically three things you really need to resolve in this book. The main one is supposed to be that Luke is... Uh, yeah. The main <laughs> one is basically that Luke is... Uh, knocked out, and Exar Kun is around. Sorry, Exar Kun is around. 
Kin? And Kip is going around blowing stuff up. And by like chapter 13, chapter 13 is the one where Luke is uh, revived and Exar Kin is defeated. And then there are still... <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> there are still 30 chapters after that. Yeah. Like we don't... I feel like if you don't do the thing with the second... Or with the Death Star prototype... Which is really mm-hmm. just there to provide some like, hey, remember when this happened in episode four and six? Yeah. Uh, like you could have had some of the Kessel as like a cleanup subplot for Lando. Yeah. You could still go to the Maw installation and have some stuff with Dala there. But like, it's just Tol Sivron's bureaucracy subplot of, I guess, just making yeah. fun of them. But it's, it's so unnecessary. That's part of the problem too. It's like it's already the stakes seem lower because old Death Star is not as scary as or not as dangerous as Sith Lord, which is way more powerful than Luke. But there's also the fact that the Death Star is being commanded by like a bureaucrat who is played up for laughs basically at every opportunity. Yeah. It, it is kind of funny at some points. Like I, I did get a little chuckle when he's like <laughs> he's like just escaped back to the Maw installation and he's like. We they like basically convene a meeting of war, and he's like, "We had to go without our pastries." It was a very serious moment. Yeah, like so. One of our things that we do elsewhere on YouTube is we play Mario Kart, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing Mario Kart, you have the three laps, but then when you yep. finish the three laps, the characters just start driving around the track repeatedly, as like well the victory music plays, and that's kind of what this felt like to me. We're chapter 13, lap three's finished, Luke's back. We still got to deal with Mon Mothma. Kip has already uh, had his confrontation with Han, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Or that's like within the next couple chapters. And uh, it's just like resolving those things. So the rest of the book is just them playing victory music, looping around <laughs> and making it. It's like he had an extra budget for the book, so may as well make this one when it could have just been. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, too, how they do throw in, like, the more with dual stuff as well. Um, like, that that's a scene that doesn't really need to happen, I guess. I mean, it's cool, but, yeah, it is it is very weirdly paced. And it does detract from it a little bit. I didn't dislike the book as much as you did, though. I definitely got the feeling that you were much less of a fan of this book than I was. Um, it's still probably my least favorite of the trilogy, but I think there's some good in there. Like, yeah, um, there are parts of the book I enjoyed. It's just... There was so much of it that I felt like didn't need to be there. Like it, mm-hmm. it felt like it could have ended so much earlier. And basically, when the resolution to some of the main plots just felt so unsatisfying, but then mm-hmm. they still had uh, twenty to thirty other chapters devoted to stuff that was like that was introduced and didn't need to be introduced. Yeah. Then, like, at what point does the New Republic ever talk about the threat posed by the Death Star prototype? Never. Yeah, exactly. They don't get no one. There's nothing that's really happening with any of it mm-hmm. and when the way they solve the Kun problem is just that they stand in a circle say something inspirational and stab the ghost i guess <laughs> yeah, i like oh got him <laughs> yeah like it sorry Kun. <laughs> yeah it's it is kind of strange it, like there are parts that could have been removed like kip flies around a chorus on in too many places like it should have just been kind of a a rash judgment i think like uh like like luke just you know he says he says like kip you're back on the case for now <laughs> yeah he's like he's like here's your badge here's your gun we'll talk later but uh but yeah it, it is a little weird um oh, what was i gonna say 
But, yeah, I guess it, it is what it is. Yeah, so do you want to start with uh, with the Luke stuff? Because it's all kind of self-contained, and we can... Right. Um, Luke gets knocked the fuck out of his own body, which is pretty impressive. Uh, that's, I guess, in the last book. But yeah. Leia, who is continues to prove herself to be just an absolute phenomenal mother in this series, uh, it ends with... One of my favorite quotes is like, we've brought Winter back to Coruscant to protect the children. I'll never let anything happen to them again. <laughs> and then she, it's just like, I've got new duties that I'm not going to be able to see my kids as much as I even was before. It's like, that was twice a year. Make a ch- yeah, like, goddamn woman. Um, but yeah, so Leia starts off with bringing her kids to, uh, well, Jason and Jane anyway, to, to Yavin. And Luke is sleeping. He's taking a few days off. Uh, and yeah, that that's... I do like the Jason and Jaina stuff, actually, early on in this book, because it reminded me of, like... Um, junior Jedi Knights. Yeah, which will be... Junior, Junior Jedi Knights. At some point. Yeah. I just love... What's the book? Is it Heirs to the... Like, Heirs to the Force, I think? Or... Is it... What's the... Is it... Heirs to the yeah, Heirs to the Force. That's book one of the Young Jedi Knight series, and that was one of my favorite books mm-hmm. as a kid. I did like a, uh, I posted on Twitter before, but I did like a, there was like a, a thing in one of my classes, like one of my you know elementary art school classes or whatever, and it was like make a movie poster. So I did Star Wars Episode Seven, Heirs to the Force, with the uh, book cover with like Lobaka and Jason and Jaina on it. I think you sent and, me uh, that before. Yeah, I, I think I did too. In, like, grade 8 art class, I think, I did, like, a drawing of Destiny's Way cover. Mm-hmm. But, That's like... pretty cool, man. The Jason and Jaina stuff is cool for them, but it just... It really does highlight how irresponsible every adult around them is. <laughs> yeah. Because there's this Sith Lord on the loose, and when they're dealing with his attack on Luke, mm-hmm. Leia says, R2, watch the twins. <laughs> now... We as Star Wars fans know that R2 is easily the most competent person in the Star Wars universe because he blows up everything that's a threat to anyone, saves everyone's ass on every possible occasion. But yeah. I can't I can't co-sign the idea of having R2 watch Jason and Jaina in the Sith Lord's yeah. attack. And yeah, then definitely not R2. <laughs> Luke decides that because Jason and Jaina can see and hear him, what he should do is arm the three-year-old with a lightsaber and have is it even fight... three or are they two at this point? I think they're three. Okay. Uh, no, they're... I they're two and a half or two. Because it would be eight or nine ABY for the Thrawn... Nine ABY for Thrawn Trilogy. This is like yeah. 11. So yeah, yeah. they're two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to generously say three. Yeah. Now... Twice, twice as old as Gus. Well, there's yeah. two of them. <laughs> and, like, having met a two-year-old before, this seems like a bad idea. Like, I know what I would trust my nephew to do or not do, Nothing. and anything involving any sort of uh, motor function, it's it's not... Yeah, I've got, I've got a two-year-old niece as well, and Gus is one and a half. There's literally nothing I would trust a two-year-old to do. Nothing in the whole world. Like, yeah, I get the, I get that Luke <laughs> is like controlling him in a way, but like, you don't take that risk and get your 
two-year-old nephew to fight these giant angry Sith death birds that are bred as <laughs> war machines. Yeah, Luke's like, go on. Because <laughs> just, it's just kind of funny because Jason, like, takes the elevator up and Luke's like, finally, like, get going. Like, <laughs> I'm about to be stabbed. <laughs> Well, I've been researching, uh, like, anytime Jason or Jaina comes up in a book, I've been, like, making notes a bit because I do want to do a longer form video on, like, yeah. each of them. And one of the big things in the Jedi, uh, or Young Jedi Knight series is Luke arguing with, or Jason arguing with Luke about, like, I'm ready for my lightsaber. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, you're not old enough, you're not trained enough. But he gave him one as a fucking two-year-old, so you lose <laughs> the argument, Luke. Yeah. Well, doesn't he? But then he cuts off Tenelka's arm, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. that was Tenelka's fault. Yeah, true. She made Every a shitty lightsaber. A Tenelka, like something with Tenelka on it, like NJO or or later. I always forget that she's missing an arm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So, but like, doesn't Dala lose an eye? And I always forget that. Yeah, is that actually covered in any? Like, she definitely shows up with an eye patch, but I don't know if it's I ever remember. in text. I will say. Um, there's when I was listening to the audio book. There's the part with Morth Duel lose, loses his eye, and this was like a, a an audio book. It was probably came out the year that the uh, the book did, so it's still pretty basic. But when he loses his eye, it, there's the sound the, the sound effect that they use is literally boing. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound effect also play in any of the Akbar winter scenes? Well, I made that sound effect play. Uh, but it also, also um, the the Howie screamed. You know that one? It's like the Wah! like the really like <laughs> like the. Hold on, I don't know if I can play it and if you can hear it, but it's just like it. It's like yeah, like that. Yeah, you know that one. I had to listen to it so I could emulate it. Well, when um, they work that into a bunch of books as well, or sorry, a bunch of audiobooks as well. Um, and in this one, it's when Karita's blowing up, and uh, Kip is howling in despair as his brother dies. <laughs> they play the Howie scream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's questionable. Yeah. <sighs> Funny. Um, so, the other thing when Luke finds out that Jaina and Jason can hear him, is yeah. like, Jaina and Jason point out that he's there. And all the time, oh, oh my god, he's here. And then they just leave the room. Yeah. Um, like, maybe like, tell mom. <laughs> or somebody. I do like to, well, I don't I don't like it. It hurt my feelings, actually. Um, there's that scene where R2 is, like, checking out Luke's body. Mm-hmm. And, like, going through his pockets for change and shit. <laughs> and, uh... He goes up, there's no one in the room, and just, like, R2 gives off, like, a sad beep. And Luke's like, wow, if droids could feel emotions. And I'm like, what do you mean, if? Like, R2 is literally up here, being sad, there's no one to observe him. Like, like, that's not just a programming response. Like, like the the treatment of droids in this, throughout Star Wars, it's just, like, C-3PO in this. He's just, like, C-3PO comes through at the end, he's he's brave, even. Um, But, you know... He babysits the kids, like, every day. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and that just kind of goes even more towards, like, pay attention to your goddamn kids, because you don't think that the droid is an actual emotional creature. Like, what are you... What kind of emotional right. response are you trying to train your kids to have? They're going to grow up to be a Sith Lord. Exactly. 
I mean, like, Anakin did well because he had that very nurturing, um, like, mother droid. Yeah, the, yeah. uh, the weird... I, I gotta, I got a serious question, droid. Do you think that droid had boobies? Yeah, that was, like, the entire point of the droid, I thought. Well, I think I they get, like, like, explicitly commented on. Oh, Corrin sees, Corrin sees her, does he? <laughs> <laughs> she falls into the rankings during iJedi. <laughs> Because not only was I... Corrin responsible for the death of Exar Kun, and I, I'm kind of glad that I Jedi did that, looking having now gone back. Because I read I Jedi before Dark Apprentice and this one, yeah. and I thought it was kind of weird how uh, uh, Michael Stackpole tried to make it into like Corrin had done everything. But then I read this, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so no, they didn't actually do anything to beat Exar Kun. It doesn't make yeah. sense that he died when he did. So it was kind of just Strain being yeah. a badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. That's kind of why I'm excited to read it because I haven't read I Jedi like since I've been an adult. Really, um, I listened to the audiobook, but I remember the abridgment being quite bad. So I'm excited to see, I guess, how it patches it in. Yeah, there's a lot about I Jedi that makes me dislike Corin and think that he was inserted too heavily into stuff. But there mm-hmm. are a few things with the Exar Kun plot that just I mm-hmm. I really don't think are resolved properly in sorry Exar yeah. That don't get resolved properly in Champions of the Force that I think iJedi does a much better job explaining. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of... Yeah, it is kind of abrupt. I like I like the Jedi stuff we do get, though. Um, and one thing I do like about this book, too, this is a little off-topic, but I like how they decide not to kill Kip at the end. Um, and they're actually like, okay, we're going to have a character who we have to bring into stories moving forward instead of just... Mm-hmm. Like being Jedi Apprentice number three, who gets killed. Yeah. Um, and one thing about this book is it actually does make some really serious changes. Like, from a like, it, it moves the the overall story forward. Like, uh, Leia being made Chief of State. The kids are back now. Uh, Akbar is a uh, fucking winter on the reg. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's something Kevin J. Anderson is really good for, even before the Del Rey era, where it was very rare for any books to do that in Bantam, uh, where it, most things were just these self-contained stories, and by the end, mm. it didn't really end up having that much of an impact on the overall state of things, except, like, these planets now belong to this faction, but it doesn't matter because those planets were just introduced yeah. there anyways. But, mm. yeah, Kevin J. Anderson is always good for making something actually change and mm-hmm. kind of tying things together. I don't remember how much Kip actually appears after this, though, before he, NJO. Well, there's not really much that happens between this and NJO. Like, you do get uh, yeah, Young Jedi Knights, most... Junior Jedi Knights. Uh, you get Hand of Thrawn Krillian. trilogy, Krillian trilogy, yeah. Crisis. Black Fleet Crisis. And then the the next three books, we get the Callisto ones and, yeah. and the Crystal Star. But, yeah, I guess there's not really... Because there's not, like, a huge, huge conflict... Yeah, there's Between not like then. like there's no point where the Jedi would have been involved. Yeah, they're mostly Although just off to the side developing the yeah. order. Yeah, because we do learn like we do get checkups, especially I think in uh, the Thrawn duology where like I if I remember correctly, isn't Strain left in control or something or like because Luke is out doing things, mm-hmm. um, he's like, "Yep, Strain, you're in charge." <laughs> yeah, usually it ends up being like Cam and Tion that are yeah. that end up in charge of the. The academy when Luke gets bored with it and moves on to play with other toys. Yeah, but 
but one thing that is that I do really like about that, about not killing Kip, is that Star Wars, very often, just when someone does something bad and they want to atone for it, they just die. So, mm-hmm. like, Vader, uh, now we also have Kylo. Uh, it's, it's very common in the movies, especially, but it happens a lot in books, too. Mm-hmm. So with Kip, we finally get a character that, like, did something terrible, like, just one of the worst things that ever happened, yeah. and is actually forced to atone for it in some way, even right. if, like, the New Republic says, like, oh, we have no actual authority to punish him for this. This is a Jedi matter. Like, no, Don't you, though? Fuck? Don't you have courts? <laughs> like, this is... War tribunal. <laughs> this is why the Jedi got wiped out in the first place. They can't be above the law. <laughs> yeah. My mother's like, well, I guess there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> All right, we, like, bruh, we brought you not here. have courts yet? Here's the entire provisional council. We're not yeah. a judicial body, so no one in the New Republic can charge you with anything. No, no we're going to do, wait, though. What, what were you doing to Akbar in book one? Were you not making a... Were you not deciding whether to re- remove his rank or not? Like, okay, like, I, I, I practiced, like, when I was doing law stuff. It was administrative law, and, I like, I'm just going to tell you that somebody within the government had the administrative capacity... To say, hey, probably not cool to do that. <laughs> Kill a billion people. <laughs> well, they they decide very, very wisely that Luke should be the one to decide his fate. <laughs> and the... Luke's like, how epic was the explosion? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. Give me enough details, you're off. <laughs> well, his whole thing is like, but Leia, you've got to tell them. He could be the most powerful Jedi. It's like, that isn't good. <laughs> no one wants this. Leia's like, it's literally her first day in office. She's like, can I do it later? And he's like, God, do it now. <laughs> All right. Now, you're going to have to trust me on this. You know how he blew up that planet? Let's give him that weapon back. I'm going to make him more powerful. Maybe he <laughs> blows something up. But if not, maybe someday he'll be really useful. And by NJO, there will be about 150 Jedi that follow him. I know we don't usually read the comments because we do this podcast all, but someone said, that court from Rogue Squadron giving the side eye and sweating. <laughs> Thanks, Bacon on. <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I don't know. Um, the whole like government structure of the New Republic at this point doesn't really make sense because no. how do you just decide who gets to be the next leader? Like... Yeah, my so mom it's a weird form of democracy. At least NJO guess, like, kind of fleshes that out more, where it's like it's mm-hmm. a Senate election, so the senators vote on the chief of state. Yeah. So, and that's kind of yeah. what the old republic works like as well. Yeah, I mean that does make sense, um, but I guess like maybe they're still because they're still in such formative years. Maybe like. They're just taking, like, the... It's been a decade. Yeah, I guess. That should be, like, the one true. thing I forgot how they... long it's been. Yeah. Um, I I mean, they really do make it seem like Mon Mothman's gonna die as well. Like, at yeah. the, like, like she's, like, she's on death's door. Yeah, and she gets healed by Silgal with uh, literal millions of individual things being removed. I still kind of like that part, though. The She gets saved, and then she just kind of never does anything again. She tells Luke to help Lando get laid in Krellian Trilogy. That was kind of... <laughs> no. Sounds like a real bro. 
Yeah. But well, yeah, she doesn't really appear very much after this. I remember she's in like, like that picture with from uh, of the uh, what's it called, the Galactic Concordance or whatever it's called. Um, the uh, the the Imperial New Republic piece always has her shaking Pelion's hand with uh, the Pelion Garrison Treaty, or she's there, Garrison's there shaking his hand, but yeah, she's in the background. I'm just like, man, she's probably old as hell by now. I mean, she's not really that old in the yeah, grand scheme of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. She's, I guess, probably 30 years older than uh, yeah. Luke, Han, and Leia. So or, she's basically Han's age by uh, by Fate of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, maybe even a little younger than that, because that's yeah. still uh, the 70s 25 there. years later. Yeah. So... Yeah, she is in Jedi Outcast because she gives she's the one the who gives to... the order. But when when is that set again? When's Jedi Outcast? I think like Jedi Outcast is set a couple years after this. Yeah, it's not because set it's... as late as Jedi Academy, and I think she is in Jedi. Is she in Jedi Academy as well? Can't remember because it's one of yeah because it's Luke's students who are basically causing shit in Jedi Outcast. Um, I think um, what's his name from Rogue Squadron is also in that. Um, why am I totally blanking on his name? Wedge Antilles? No. Um, the blonde one. Why am I Tycho? forgetting his name? Tycho, yeah. I think Tycho's in that game. When they're on the... I forget what ship they're on, but I think... When Rogue Squadron comes in, I think I think it's said to be Tycho, if you put hmm. um, subtitles on, but I could be misremembering. Because hmm. like Wedge is there when you're doing, in Jedi Academy, the... Uh... Like setting all the mines on that uh, gas platform. I think it's on Bespin, but in Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy. I think for that. Oh, one. okay. Because you go to you go to Bespin and Jedi Outcast as well. Well, everything's got to have Bespin involved. Mm-hmm. Go to Bespin and Jedi Search. Uh, yeah. Have you seen that thing floating around? Which. Like, I never really paid attention to that, but there's that scene in episode 9 that shows, like, the Star Destroyer crashing my Bespin. Yeah. And, like, if you look at it, that Star Destroyer would have to be, like, 20 kilometers long. Or or much larger. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's a, it's a Zeiston class, Resurgence class. I mean, it doesn't... When I first saw that, that was, I, I, I tweeted about this, too. That was one of the first things... I remember we talking about that, too. But when that movie was released on Blu-ray, I just I didn't really watch the whole thing. I just skipped to that scene. I was like, I want to get a better look at this shit. <laughs> but it is kind of a weird. It, it is a resurgence. I think just kind of weird. Yeah. But there is some variation, I guess, on resurgence about how many shield bulbs they have. Some only have one, and some have two. Hmm. So I never really noticed that. Well, yeah, it's on the Doom Giver, right? Die Ghost Fish. Do we have any uh, closing thoughts about the feel-good Jedi moments killing Exar Kin? Um, let me just check my notes. I, I think that's basically it. I mean, I, I, I'm liking the cast of crew, the cast and crew that's coming together by this point. Um, I wish we, I wish they would just flush out all of them, but I kind of understand why they didn't. Yeah, um, Corona T gets a few good moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like she's the one that shows up kind of the least afterward, other than the ones that just die. But like Cam Tion, yeah, Kip, Cam even Tion Stream gets some stuff. Yeah, uh, Karanati gets nothing. Dorsk eighty one and eighty two just blow up. But yeah, um, Exar Kun does say your faith Oop. in your friends is your Exar Kun does oh, okay. say 
your faith in your friends is yours, to, like to Luke, being that's his weakness. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. There's so many unnecessary yeah. OT callbacks, and that's basically what the entire Death Star plot is. It's just mm-hmm. them. <laughs> Remember last time we did this? Yeah. Isn't this just like that? And that I think that's one of the things that makes me dislike it as much as I do, mm-hmm. is that it's like it's clearly just there for those moments. Yeah. And like. They're not even adding adding anything new to it. They're just making it matter less and clearly just going yeah. for the references. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is I like we we even see Jason start to have his uh, proclivity like towards animals at this point. Like he's talking to, or it mentions that he's like good with animals. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Like, because that's a pretty big part of his character for a while. Yeah. Like he's he's a. Uh, also, this kind of off topic. What 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 happened? Do you think when Anakin, like, so uh, what's his? Fergan has Anakin, and Anakin's uh, eyes. He's like his eyes flash, like he was deep in concentration, and then the droid comes up and shocks Fergan. What do you think the point of that was? Was Anakin supposed to be controlling the droid or something? Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be like some sort of link between them or just a sign of like Anakin is going to be uber powerful. Yeah, and. I, I, I think it might have also been, like, more of a distraction for... Like, he's distracting Ferdinand in some way in the droid attacks, mm-hmm. but I I don't think it was supposed to be, like, droid control force powers. Yeah. No, I don't I didn't think so either. Um, one th- nice thing the audiobook did with that scene, by the way, and I know we're... I know I kind of brought us off topic, is it skips the entire the chase. They don't go in the MT... Uh, what was it? MT-AT? AT-MT? Yeah. MT, Mountain terrain assault yeah. yeah so they there's no big chase in that um turpfin just pushes him off the edge of the cliff which yeah i kind of liked i thought that made more sense um yeah because like in the it's like kind of a convoluted chase scene where like he like he's pushes him off and then he's about to commit suicide but in this it's like he pushes him off and then he's literally about to jump off the cliff and follow him so it's a bit more personal death because you see uh, yeah but and then Akbar grabs him and is like, no. So I kind of like that one a bit more. So I guess we should go into the the Turpfin related plots in general there next, where uh, basically Turpfin is Admiral Akbar's private mechanic slash buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been controlled by the Empire for the entire time. He's got like missing brain bits that were repaired by the Empire that no one ever mm-hmm. really thought to check, uh, and he never really had any moment of self-control to tell anyone before but turpfin decides that he needs to get admiral akbar off in a way that doesn't involve winter for the crash on vortex Mm -hmm. uh and (laughs) he so he goes to yavin to find leia and tells her that anakin's in trouble because he's basically told her or he's told uh, ambassador fergan or whatever the governor fergan where mm-hmm. Anakin's hiding, because really it's just Akbar and Winter that are supposed to know that. Akbar, Winter, and Luke. Yeah. Uh, so they end up. Her and her Turpfin and Leia go to Bon Calamari, pick up Akbar. Nothing really happens with either of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fergan is taking his surviving dreadnought from the explosion of Karita with some MTATs. To capture Anakin because he wants to like bring Anakin to other Imperials as the future Emperor, 
hide out for 20, 30 years until Anakin's powerful and leads them all to victory. Yeah. Uh, Joke's on him. Probably would have been a better life for Anakin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, living in the core and then... Yeah. I, I'd rather get ripped apart by Voxen. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess so. So, my main thing with this plot is... With these MTATs, do they deserve to be called MTATs? Like, are they transports? They bring two people in them. Yeah, that's that was kind of weird. I did, like, a video about how, like, the Empire probably should just kept the ATTEs because we see them just, like, scaling sheer cliffs a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, he's really jazzed about them, but, like, you could have also just used, like, a Starfighter. <laughs> yeah. Literally anything else probably would have been better. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, what, eight or ten MTATs? There's yeah, a significant number. Yeah. So 16 total troops, including yeah. Fergan, who can't fight. It Although just... it does survive the longest. But yeah. he was kind of, like, hanging back and not... Yeah, true. But, like, what... It it almost seems like you don't need to stop the MTATs themselves. You don't need Fido, which is the name of this giant tentacle hente mm. monster that ends up killing half of them. Yeah, it's like Fido is a very, very, very niche defensive situation. And this is like basically the only case where it would be better than like a couple of turbo lasers. <laughs> yeah. Even that I'm not positive. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a cave system near the hideout that has these mechanical... I, w- I wasn't clear for a while if it was mechanical or organic or like organic enhanced this with is mechanical like semi-organic. stuff. Semi-organic. I kind of just imagine yeah. it being like big metal arms with like a very smart brain. Yeah, and it it just it wipes out a bunch of the transports. But like, I think mm. they're down to ten people or eight to ten people when they get into the base. So it, yeah. it does like half of it. Much more yeah. expensive. Just get Winter to shoot them all. Yeah, or I mean, the much better strategy would have been to just take. Anakin into the room that had all the assassin droids. <laughs> yeah. Although I guess in that case maybe they just chuck a grenade in there or something, but Well, they also basically like Winter describes him as being programmed to ignore her and Anakin, mm-hmm. which makes it sound like if they were standing there, ignore might also fall in the category of like get mowed down while trying to kill the assailants. Yeah. So it it I don't know. But maybe get get some of them stationed elsewhere. Yeah, just get, like, you know, ten really great droids and just, you know, put guns inside all the gonk-gonk droids and maybe you got yourself a stew going. Yeah, like, uh, Lando militarizes the the nanny droid with, like, YVH droid technology later on. Uh, So just basically do that with the gonk droids, and I'd, I'd pay to see a movie about an army of gonk droids. I mean, we do get that scene in Solo. Um, I was not a huge fan of that movie, but the scene where they're on Kessel, funny enough, and there's, like, the big droid revolt, I thought was pretty funny. And there's just, like, that one... It's not quite a gonk droid, but, like, it'd be, like, a gonk droid's, like, cousin. It's just, like, stomping the shit out of one of those <laughs> terminals. It's just hilarious. I that... actually watched Solo the other day. Um, so only, only my second time. It's not that bad. Yeah, I it's watched fun, it a few months ago with Dana, because we're... Mm-hmm. The only movie she hasn't seen yet now is uh, Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. and like I, I like both of the standalone movies quite a bit. Yeah, I mean Solo is really fun. I gotta say, it's like, you know, 
it's it's just a fun little one-off story and i there's certain things i don't like like i think it's i don't think it's filmed very well certain bits like Mm -hmm. the best example is when they're on um what planet is it that they're on the second one the one from uh splinter of the mind's eye um where luke or sorry where han is as an army trooper um when he meets Chewbacca? Yeah, what's the name of that planet again? Wasn't he on Kashyyyk? No, no. It's not Kashyyyk. It's, uh... I don't remember. Oh, it's the one from Splinter of a Mind's Eye. What's it called again? Um, but yeah, like, that part, for example, that whole battle is just, like, so dark that, like, literally nothing is going on. Um, and it's just, like, there's a few... Mimbom, isn't, isn't Mimbom. that it? Okay. Mimbom, yeah. And there's, like, a lot of it that's, like, not even, yeah. But, I don't know, the movies is fun. I, I kind of wish they, I hope they do more of that style, like, mm-hmm. yeah, just, like, one-off stories, like, even if, like, because I'm, I'm a real, and I think Mandalorian kind of convinced me of that, too, because I, before I was quite a bit of, like, if it doesn't have Jedi in the Force in, I'm going to be way less interested, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you already kind of covered the, uh, the ending chase with Turpfin. Uh, and I think we kind of get that in the book because your punishment, Turpfin, is to live. And it's right after Kip's thing, so it's supposed to make us... And Akbar's thing as well. Yeah. So... Like, there's some sort of theme that he's going for, but it's like, the, it's, it's kind of, I'm not trying to be insulting, but like it's very surface level. Like it's almost like a truism. Like if something bad happens to you, then you could still do good things. Like, I don't know if there's something else like a deeper theme. I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of how Kevin Anderson does villains almost is Mm -hmm. like, uh, those kind, he can kind of, he does them all right because it's giving them something else to work towards. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've kind of noticed throughout this trilogy, and I can't remember if I brought this up on the last podcast or if it was something I was thinking about since then, mm-hmm. uh, is that he doesn't handle the actual villains great. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to make a complaint about Kevin J. Anderson's work in general, I kind of feel this way about the Jedi Academy trilogy, uh, this way about the Young Jedi Knight books, which are a bit more understandable because it is aimed at a much younger audience. Yeah, and sure. even with Darksaber, with like the with the Warlords and everything, if you look at Dala in this series, she's just like cartoony villain incompetent. You get that yeah. more of that gets transferred onto Tol Sivrin and more, more of Duel, Duel and, uh, yeah. where there's like there's nothing they're doing correctly. There's no chance they have its success. Mm-hmm. they're not working for any like Dallas even saying like I'm I just want to cause pain mm-hmm. uh, and then you kind of get that with Brackus and uh, pretty much every bad thing that happened quarrel before he becomes friends with them it's like once they're working once they're not the primary villain of, of his books he's able to do them as better characters. Like Dala is a much better character in Darksaber than she is in the Jedi Academy trilogy. Yeah. Uh, because the per- the people who are supposed to be like fuck up failures there are the warlords. And now Dala mm-hmm. is someone who you're supposed to kind of like, not even root for, but she's trying to accomplish something by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And he he just seems like he kind of spins his wheels with villains when they're not. Same thing with like Zek even like yeah because Zek was originally kind of boring but by like he gets flushed out in like Swarm War and, and like later stuff um and yeah you're right once because it it is very very one dimensional um like it, it yeah it, it's kind of boring like what is XR doing yeah it's just like he's we don't know what his goal is, and he doesn't really do anything to it. He just kills Gantoris and knocks mm-hmm. out Luke and wants to kill Luke. And is like, like sure, he's ancient Sith Lord. He just wants to fuck with people. Maybe he'll... But, like, is he trying to get his power back? Does he think that's what's going to happen? Is he just trying right. to manipulate the Jedi? Uh, like, everything he does it just turns into cartoony villain monologue. And it... Yeah, it's definitely a fair complaint. Um, yeah, I mean, the writing in this whole era is hit or miss. I mean, especially where we come off, like, the Thrawn trilogy a few books ago, it's like, Mm -hmm. a lot of it now is just about kind of getting you back in the universe, which is kind of why I I give these books a lot of leeway, because I just really enjoy reading them, because although, like, I mean, if, if, when you watch A New Hope, like, the villains are pretty, um you know, one-dimensional as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these books, for me at least, give me a, do a good job of, like, making me kind of just get back in that feeling, I guess, which is why I enjoy them. But those criticisms are definitely super valid. My favorite part of the, uh, the Turpfin subplots, like the Mon Mothma, Anakin said, because Turpfin then tells Akbar and Leia and Mon Mothma. I think it's actually a conversation with Akbar and Mon Mothma where he tells them uh, how Mon Mothma was poisoned. And mm. uh, so there's no hope. He's like, we're screwed, man. We're screwed. <laughs> but uh, my favorite part of it is when Leia is visiting Mon Mothma and it's kind of set up as like, uh, this is Mon Mothma's last last mm-hmm. days this is leia's coming to say goodbye and my mom says leia you came and leia's like i came because you asked me to yeah it's like, it's like what the jesus like <laughs> you have to tell her that like why don't you just want to see her like yeah she's not, yeah like i get that what he was going for there was like uh like you asked me to i couldn't turn down that request and yeah i want it's implied that i want to see you to just the way that it's well, like she's specifically dying so is like yeah, it's funny too because in the audiobook at that part, it's playing like the music that plays when Vader's got his mask off and is dying. I think mm. so. It's like if you've never read it before, it really seems like she she's gonna die that night. So it's like Leia, like have some have some tact, goddamn it! <laughs> like you've been doing politics for how many years? You don't know how to be nice to somebody. <laughs> yeah, Leia's not the most socially aware in this book. Leia's like, I've exhausted your political capital. <laughs> you <laughs> Time to die. <laughs> You may still be alive, but you're already dead to me. <laughs> um, yeah. She's like, I've got winter now. She can do everything <laughs> for me. Well, we already uh, had the, the Leia winter swap theory last time. Yes. And we had the uh, Leia doesn't know how to pack or set up a, a base at the early parts of Dark Apprentice. <laughs> oh yeah it's kind of like yeah luke we sent you 30 tons of scented candles <laughs> enjoy 
There's no food, but we have three crates of origami cranes. I love how, uh, speaking of food, whenever they go on the Falcon, maybe, I think they mentioned it once in this, uh, it's like the food processor just a shitty, like, Corellian, yeah. like, fast food. It's like burgers, basically. Yeah, I like how <laughs> Nerf a sticks. lot of books set up Corellia as being, like, if a greasy diner was turned into a planet. Hmm. Was it uh, was it courtship? Which book was it where Leia got the gift for Han and it was like, that was a uh, book one of this? Was it the yeah. Burger King song? Yeah, because she yeah she's like basically for those who don't know she basically is thinking that she's getting Han like this relic or this like piece of high art from Corellia, but it's basically a statue of Ronald McDonald <laughs> or like or like the ShamWow guy or like something like that. It's barely even Ronald, isn't it? Like a, it's like Grimace. <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> oh those are pretty funny yeah yeah a pretty funny <laughs> section luckily Silgal, uh mvp in all plots comes forward yeah. to uh to heal mon mothma she was hesitant to try at first because like, ah, i don't know if i can do this and akbar's like this isn't how we do things on mon calamari he's like maybe you can though and she's like all right well, let's see <laughs> Me and Winter are going to go stand in that closet. By the time we're out, Mon Mothma better be cured. <laughs> Did you notice um, when they went to Mon Calamari, Akbar said to take off a breather? Akbar does? Yeah. Or he takes off one of those things. I guess maybe it was for communications. Oh, I think, yeah. I think the they set it up as, like, Quarren are the ones that actually live underwater and Mon Calamari live on mm-hmm. the cities above water. So yeah. I think it's intended in this for Mon Calamari to not actually breathe, uh, right. be able to breathe underwater. Yeah, so, that wouldn't hold for very long. Yeah. Or maybe it would, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything other than like Clone Wars that actually shows that. Maybe well, not. I don't notice in Clone Wars because I'm too busy looking at Kit Fisto's abs. <laughs> those, those episodes were awful. I hated those episodes. The uh, It was like three or four of the, the Mon Calamari invasion i thought it was so boring it's all underwater and it's like they had no fx budget for it it's like all it's just like there's like never any like cool fish or anything in the background it's like we're swimming through water what's in the background oh it's just blue sweet well isn't that the point when it was all just funded by george lucas's pocket change i mean yeah those are that's some considerable pocket change though (laughs) yeah well this is pre-disney so he only had so much pocket change yeah he was only a he was only a multi multi billion millionaire, mm. not yet a billionaire. So I think uh, that brings us to uh, Mister Kip Duran himself, uh, mm. and what he's up to in this book. Kip the Kip Duran. Don't think that's his nickname. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Kip the mass murderer Duran. Yeah, that's probably more accurate. So the book opens with uh, with Kip blowing up Karita and regretting mm. it because uh, his brother was actually still alive. So <laughs> it's, you know that Donald Trump quote where he's like, oh, I forget exactly what he said. It's some some dumb shit, obviously, but it was like, and presumably some good people too. He's like, yeah. uh, they're all <laughs> they're a lot not of bad people, but brightest. <laughs> Yeah, that was basically Kip when he's sure blowing up Karita. <laughs> just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, eh. and then his brother's like, oh wait, 
Yeah, okay, maybe this wasn't very smart. Why, though, like, why do they lie to him? Like, about his brother? I don't know like, what they were like trying the to accomplish That seems like the worst game there. plan. Yeah. Like, like, tell him his brother's still alive, and then he'll be, like, reluctant to blow it up. Like, yeah, they were trying to... They were just trying to stall him because he gave him, like, one hour to find his brother, which mm-hmm. that's a mistake on Kip's part. But the fact that they decided that their fake story they should go with was that he was dead is not... Like, if you're in a hostage situation, which is essentially what this is, and you're the person holding the hostage... (laughs) Yeah, if you're holding the hostage, your first contact with the police isn't, don't worry, (laughs) I already shot them. (laughs) Well, you figured out step B. Yeah. There's there's another really questionable decision in this book. Um, I meant to talk about this earlier. When uh, Turpfin is running away from Coruscant, he handles that in, like, the worst possible yeah. way. And then he gets somebody killed. Yeah. He steals a fighter and gets someone killed. Like, he's literally the head of, like, Akbar's like, personal Mon Calamari engineers. He could have just been like, yeah, I'm taking this fighter. And I don't think anyone would have said shit. Said he's, like, stunning people. Like, he's probably causing serious brain damage among, like, some of the species. He stuns an Ugnaught and a human like, Ugnaughts probably weigh, like, a third of what a human weighs. Like, y- y- you know you killed that Ugnaught, right? <laughs> you know that Ugnaught's dead, right? <laughs> and all of this is stuff that he could have told someone else. Yes. Like, he doesn't need to immediately run to... I mean, I, I yeah, do kind of get that part, because he's like, he, he doesn't really know that he... He thinks he's still fighting against it, I guess, or that it can pop on at any time. Yeah, so why... Why take the time to fly across the galaxy? That's Why not find point. one of the many people who are more trustworthy on Coruscant than you, who probably mm-hmm. have a way to contact Leia, even if like your priority is Akbar, which like his priority was telling Leia that uh, Anakin was in trouble, mm-hmm. uh, and also clearing Akbar's name, and apparently holding on to the information about what's going on with Mon Mothma, who was on the same planet as him, and yeah. could have been addressed at any point. But you know. Uh, why go through these proper channels? Instead, steal a starfighter. Know that you're going to get chased because they have like more than zero security on the galactic <laughs> capital of the main galactic power at the time. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, just if, if you really want to do it that way, just take a ship. Like you can take one, like you did earlier <laughs> in like two books ago. <laughs> Um, no, he actually does this every time he's going to talk to Fern, and no one picks up on it. <laughs> really, it's their own fault. We've lost 10 X-Wing pilots this week. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. They just um, keep flying into wreckage, chasing nothing. Speaking of, one last thing, I, and I keep dropping on things we finished. Fergan, it was kind of funny. I wrote, Fergan picks up kids like all my single fr- like my single guy friends. Like, like, guys who like don't have you know, a, a sibling with a baby the first time they try to pick up a kid. Like, anytime one of my single guy friends comes and, like, sees Gus, and like, oh, what do I do with these arms? It's like, <laughs> describes basically, like, Fergan grabbing the baby by his arm and, like, walking around. That's basically, like, just have no idea what to do. And I was like, yeah, Fergan's definitely an incel. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not human. He's like a weird little egg man, right? So we don't know what yeah. his biology, like, what he actually looks like. He can't do the thing where you're like, 
picking them up and you're usually around like lower parts of their body but he's like an egg so his hands are down here then it's looping out that i imagine him holding like anakin hostage like he's picking anakin up and like anakin's almost touching the ground (laughs) (laughs) it's like three feet tall I'm probably exaggerating how much he looks like Humpty Dumpty, but that's basically just what I picture every time Friggins is in the um, book. You know Kaibo Ren? Not Kylo Ren, but Kaibo Ren mm. from uh, Droids, I think it is? Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I imagine uh, Turpfin looking. Turpfin? Or sorry, uh, Fergan. I mean, Fergan. <laughs> Let's see. Mm, yeah, I... Just like less... I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Short, stocky, like, dastardly looking. Yeah. Kind of a ripoff, to be honest. Hmm. I, I just don't know that that guy would be as good at stealing babies. Look at that guy. That guy looks like he's definitely stolen babies before. Yeah, but with if you look like an egg, there's a certain sense of breakfast You're and You're me that guy doesn't look like an egg? He doesn't look like an egg. Not that much. Not more than, than Fergan actually does. I don't know. If if you look up Fergan, the pictures of him, he doesn't really look very egg-like. Okay, the pictures one, I have in my one mind of him. of him. He just looks like a human. Mm, he looks like an egg. Okay, but it's weird because if you look at... what what pic, What's that for? I just okay, so that, the picture on his actual page, he looks like a human. Page, he looks like look a human. If you look Kareem. on Kareedan... He looks like an egg. Yeah, big time. Oh shit, they're two meters tall. Oh shit, that got a lot more terrifying. <laughs> so he's like leaning all the way down to the floor uh, to grab Anakin's arm. It. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Kevin Anderson knew how kids worked at this point, in general. <laughs> no. What would you do if you... Uh, just, uh, just pretend that the... Uh, that she okay so you go to you go to a club right there's this girl she's wearing a really long dress you can't see her arms or her legs and she's cut her weird Korean uh eyebrow thing or uh eyelash thing then you take her home and then you see those fucking skinny ass legs what do you do apologize to dana and <laughs> good answer dana do this he's clear he's good don't worry i mean no matter what her legs and arms looked like uh that is not a situation i would want to be in yeah that's a good call because apparently i'm the only dedicated partner here listen i asked you no one asked me and i would have given the exact same answer all right let's say you're at a club exact same answer hmm. so. i do like how the distinctions is spindly arms and legs three digits and hooves also squares faces. Very good. So, uh, with the hooves, does that mean that they'd be into something with uh, Equish, whatever the horse's name was? Oh, Hokash Equish? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to say no. Well, uh, I'm... <laughs> so Kip is blowing up green. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, any genocide in that whole species, by the way. Which, not a bad thing, they're pretty gross. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh, Han, who is at Yavin, decides, you know what? 
rather than look after my real kids, I'm going to go go after the son I never had. And <laughs> the son I never had. <laughs> Jason's standing right there. <laughs> Streen and Leia both feel uh, like a thousand oysters cried out in panic and were suddenly silenced. <laughs> and uh, so apparently no one else really feels it, but uh, just Leia and Streen. Streen because he doesn't like voices in the first place. Well, it kind of no. It's it says everyone else felt it too, hmm. like but not to the same degree because even the kids start crying. Yeah, but they're crying because they have terrible and attentive parents. <laughs> they haven't been fed in three goddamn days. Three <laughs> PO in winter out there. Who? What is Leia supposed to do? Pay attention <laughs> to them? Fuck that. It'd be funny if she arrives in, she arrives on Yavin and immediately just hands the kid off to like. Gantoris is still smoking body. <laughs> That's just the room they stay in and no one's moved his body. Luca, I get that you're short on space, but can you give me a goddamn dustpan at least? <laughs> well, who would be asking that? Because Han and Leia don't give a fuck. Yeah. What do you think they did with Gantoris' body? Do you think they just yeeted him into the woods? I'm Yoke pretty sure Dorsk ate him. <laughs> because, like, I, I showed you that picture of, like, the rat my cat killed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, when my cat killed the rat, I took him, I put him in a dustpan, I opened the back door, I went off onto my onto my deck, and I just threw him like a lacrosse ball. Like, so... I just launched him into the woods. See, my um, question with that is, yeah, do Remy and Murphy have access to those woods? Like, do, are they allowed they, to go in no, it? No, they can't go up there. Because the, there's But your there's cat does. Oh, yeah, big time. So that like you're just asking for the rat to come back when the cat finds it again. Well, I assume a deer or something ate it, or a bird. A deer ate a rat. It was dead. I don't think deer eat dead animals. Mm, I bet you. Well, a, a bird would, or other rats. A bird would. The rats probably would. I don't think a deer would eat a dead rat. I don't know. Probably not. I guess they are herbivores. Yeah. But two nights ago. I was uh, I was going to let the dogs out to use the bathroom before bed. Me, 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 me. <laughs> but uh, and I just hear some squeaking, and I look, and my cat is just sitting there. He's sitting like very politely in front of the door with just this still alive mouse in his mouth. Yeah. And then he sees me coming, and he drops it, and he starts smacking the shit out of it, <laughs> like just just torturing the fucker. For like, yeah, probably probably like two minutes. Like he's just torturing the thing, uh, just this little mouse. And like he would like almost let the mouse escape. Like he'd put him down. The mouse would run halfway across the deck, and then he'd be like, "Nah, I got you." Um, so I got a broom, and I just my dogs used to do that with like voles. They just we get those too, yeah. And one time, Your dogs would eat them the voles. No, they'd be playing with the voles, and the voles wouldn't really be that fun to play with for that long because they'd just mm-hmm. get uh, demolished quickly. Because one was a St. Bernard who oh, yeah. didn't realize how big she was in any, any way. She thought she was a lap dog. So she'd, like, back up to people and just, like, kind of, like, jump her butt onto their lap. Yeah. Because uh, we'd I, hold I her as a puppy. St. Bernard's, and, though. But uh, one morning before school, one of them came into the house and had like something sticking out of their mouth and <laughs> so my sister was like chasing him around the house like chevy drop it 
So she like put her hand out in front of him. Uh, we do the thing where like you grab the top around their jaws and yeah. just kind of push it in so they'll open their mouth. Yeah. And then she went to catch what it was, and oh, he God. dropped uh, like a, a mostly dead mouse into her hand. She oh, went, I'd... and this is in the middle of our kitchen too, so she yeah, couldn't just yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was great. I enjoyed. That's it. like my cat. He's great at killing mice, but I'm pretty sure because we've had. Now, two mice and a rat get into the house. The rat, I'm 95% sure, was only in the house because one night before coronavirus, I was opening the uh, the garage to go get coffee, like, probably at 9 o'clock at night. It was pouring outside, and I see the cat chase this gigantic thing into the house. I didn't realize what it was. Like, I, th- I thought it was, like, like this was a, you saw the picture. This was a yeah. big rat, like, probably three pounds. Um, and then after that, like, you could hear it in the walls at night. Mm-hmm. Like when Charlie was here, you could just hear this thing scratching, and like it sounded like a cat because it would run and then it would like hit like uh, I don't know somewhere in the wall it couldn't go and it would just smack really hard and it was like slowly driving me insane because it was like right above where my office was, um, and then we had exterminators come and I think they flushed the the rat out and I think my cat finally killed it, but like there's been other times where he's just taking shit into the house, uh, and Remy's a terrier so she's like a. She's like a mouser, basically. That's her, uh, her, her lineage, anyway. So, like, <laughs> one time there was a, a a mouse hiding under the dishwasher, and Remy was at one door, just just like, or at one entrance in the kitchen, just like, like ready to go. The cat and Murphy were at the other one. I was just like, this poor mouse, man, doesn't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. They just got, they've had to, got to have their fun somehow. So they'll just bring more in, so they'll have stuff to play with later. Man, this cat, like, he kills he kills a, a mouse probably, I'd say... Because, like, we've got... It's not, like, I live in the middle of the suburbs, but we've got a green belt behind my house. Probably, like, only, like, 200 meters, maybe, but it's pretty dense woods. Like, in the summer, you can't see the houses behind us. Uh, and, like, the cat will bring a mouse home, or a mole, or a vole, or sometimes a rat, probably, like, once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Wilbur's, like, he's a, he's a killer. And you know who else is a killer? Kip Duran? Fuck yeah. There it is. We're so good at segues on this podcast. Yeah. You have to be when we go off topic this much. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I've got a question. When you when they were having the kind of... At, when the Smugglers Alliance was attacking... Like, they had the Garrison Moon or whatever, and they got the fleet there. Mm-hmm. There's a character named Shayna. Do you think she was meant to be Shayna Ducal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I think the Mistral guards come up several times in this. Yeah, she is a Mistral. Uh, so I was like wondering. Yeah, because they they're the ones that go into Duel's office with them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'd bet a lot of money that that is supposed to be Shadow Call. Yeah. Well, because like I looked it up on on the Star Wars wiki because I was like hoping it would you know clarify that but apparently like that character dies but i don't remember that actually happening in the in the uh on the page so that might have been something added after yeah i'm i'm pretty positive that it's supposed to be the same people or the same person yeah just a different like is it another mistake because it's shayna instead of shayda unless it was just supposed to be like derivative of the same character yeah because it's like the the governor that's one letter off and gets their yeah. own page because it's technically different. Like, yeah. 
But I, I'm, I'm, I, I just assumed it was meant to be the same person. Yeah, because it, it says Shayna and she's Shada, so yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, but so Han decides that he's the only one that can stop Kip, mm-hmm. and uh, four chapters later, Han leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to Coruscant first to ask permission to do this, uh, mm-hmm. so it can be an officially sanctioned New Republic mission. He takes Lando with him because Lando's hoping that he'll get dropped off at uh, at Kessel. This is the mm-hmm. only way. He has his million-dollar credit reward that is burning a hole in his pocket, but he can't afford to go to fucking rent a ship or something. Yeah. If no I heard public to believe transit. That, uh, that Lando only has one ship as well. Yeah. But I guess ships are expensive. Like, yeah. Well, it just, if he's this concerned about it, he can get, there are other ways to, there has to be, like, ship rental services. Yeah. But, I mean, it is kind of, you know, if you've only got, if there's if you've got no one helping you, then you got to get to the planet, then when you pick up your ship, what do you do with the other one? So, I mean, if, if, if Han's going anyway, like, yeah. Well, if he's setting up this whole business deal with, uh, with Mara and the Smugglers Alliance, like, just... He's risking his entire ability to make this deal yeah. on the fact that maybe Han might have to go near near him someday. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you need to get home, you've got some friends at a campground, uh, they're going the opposite direction, but maybe someday they'll be back in the neighborhood, you, mm-hmm. and you need to be somewhere in a week. You don't tell mm-hmm. them, hey, I'm going to just sit in your car, and maybe we'll end up near where I need to be some point. Yeah. But, like, the search for Kip, he has to assume, is going to take... A reasonable amount of time but luckily Listen, it, it, I, I can explain fine. all this i can explain all this han and lando just like bro time that's that's fair like they, they actually I don't think, seem to but but like i think they probably because like they're in hyperspace a lot and like whenever you read star wars books like a lot of it is the characters traveling to and from places yeah like they're definitely like getting fucked up like two of those nights in transit like that's Han's like, listen, baby, all I gotta do today is pull a lever, like, <laughs> like get the get the ale. <laughs> so they're just, yeah, that's probably why they did so many bets for the Falcon because just bored yeah. as fuck. <laughs> if I win this round of Sabak, I get to kiss you on the mouth, Han. <laughs> Han's like, trying oh, really hard for this not to happen. I just showed all my cards. <laughs> I don't know so why I'm you're making like a Star Wars Brokeback Mountain spinoff. What happens in hyperspace stays in hyperspace. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. I don't know if I buy it as much as the Akbar and. Uh... Well, the Lando Han thing has no evidence, and Akbar Winter has all the evidence that there could be without there being explicit penetration. <laughs> that would be the next level. We're going to have to pay attention to that throughout NJO. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. What did you say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they find Kip and create a system. They, they like, find him twice, and it, it's weird. Um, mm. Kip goes to fire at them. It's a warning shot. Da, 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 no one cares. Uh, but Han is, like, charging up the tractor beam or something, and mm. Kip finds out, like, oh, my God, they... He's betraying me. Everyone betrayed me. Just like how Luke betrayed me by not teaching me how to resist a fucking Sith Lord in the one week that I spent at his school. 
Yeah. So I I feel like that's an unreasonable expectation from uh, the first week of school. Yeah, but I mean to be fair, it's like I don't get fucking exams in Frosh Week either. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like this is like up, yes, fourth but... year uh, ISU or seminar subjects, and mm-hmm. Kip really is just in Frosh Week. Yeah, I don't even know if he's in Frosh. He's like on a he's like visiting the university. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luke is already calling him his best student. Long before yeah. then, so you know. Did uh did you have Frosh Week, Corey? Uh, so I got to my university. So I went to uh, University of Ottawa, and I lived in Niagara. So I got there after uh, the Frosh Week kits were already being sold, and uh-huh. I wasn't sure what my faculty was. Mm-hmm. So because I did history and poli sci, so there's right. a, a poli sci department. There's the arts department and there's the social sciences department. So, I would have guessed arts. See, my degree though was uh, joint honors, bachelor in uh, bachelor of social sciences in history and political oh. science. I so, thought you had a bachelor of arts. Interesting. No. So the first place I went to was the social sciences one, and they're mm-hmm. like, "No, you need to go to Pitsa, which is the political science school." So mm-hmm. I went to political science thing, and they're like, "No." you're an arts degree. So I went to the arts people and they're like, no, you're a social science person. So luckily, (laughs) wanted you pretty much. Luckily my roommate in first year was a four, uh, there, it was just a res thing. So I had Mm -hmm. a roommate that was first year, one that was fourth year, one that was third year. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the fourth year was a, uh, a frosh week guide for the engineering faculty. So he's like, you know what? I got some buddies who are selling this stuff right now. Go to the engineering building. Tell them you're friends with me, and they'll just sell you a kit. So I'm like, okay, great. It's not my faculty, but whatever. So yeah. I got the engineering Frosh Week stuff, mm-hmm. which turned out to no be a condoms. lot lamer. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out to be a lot lamer than every other Frosh Week yeah. thing. And I got there late enough that I missed some of the larger events. I ended up going to like one concert on campus, which was all right. It was a USS, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that, it was like the engineering parade, where they oh, walk around campus and sing, "We are, we are, we are, we are the engineers. We drink, we drink, we drink, we drink a lot of beers," and that's what they Yikes. did. And uh, yeah, Yikes. so I didn't do that either. And I didn't really go to my undergrad one because. Like, I stayed, I lived at home for undergrad and for law school, actually, but, like, everyone in my class went to either SMU or Dell, like, and I had a big friend group in university, so, like, we kind of just did our own thing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And like, like we would just go to parties or whatever. Like, I would go to, I went to SMU for undergrad, then Dell for for uh, law school, and they're, like, literally, I don't know if you know, but they're, they're like, Halifax, but, they're like, they're, like, five minutes away from each other, like, a, a five-minute walk, you can see them. Um, but... Yeah, law school was fun though. Like that, that I don't know why I thought Frosh you went to law school in Toronto. No, I did articling in Toronto. Hmm. Didn't go to no U of T. It's just too expensive. <laughs> but uh, but that one was fun because it was like you pay so much, so they like are kind of you get like lobster dinner one night. And there's only like 150 of you too, so it's like hmm. 
it's a lot of drinking like a lot of just like law school like i think it makes a lot of like semi-functional alcoholics because there's like this thing called domus at dal and it's like every every thursday you go to a bar and it's like literally every thursday you go to a bar and just get really really drunk and then it's like the end of the year it's kind of like a little honored for whoever gets the most uh like whoever owes the most money to like the Doma Society because you get drink tickets and stuff. There's like people who owe like literally a thousand dollars. There's like there's a picture in the Domus uh, somewhere in the Domus office of Peter McKay doing a keg stand. <laughs> he actually uses that in his uh, campaign promotional <laughs> material. Yeah, prob- probably. But uh, but yeah, so Kip is upset about what he learned in his Frosh week. And then we get five chapters later, we get back to Kip. This is with his like trial or whatever, where he's brought in front of the provisional council to be told, like, actually, we have no power here. The courts are all busy. No one's charging you with anything. So clearly the, uh, the legal requirement here is to send you to uh, this magician's prep school, and he's <laughs> going to decide what happens to you. <laughs> yeah, magician's prep school, that was settled about two months ago it doesn't have a charter it's not been <laughs> voted on by the senate it's not in uh the new republic's Luke's constitution kind of an incel. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you're a guy he might let you off <laughs> uh yeah what I, th- I mean we've honestly kind of covered most like, yeah just through our like really stupid discussions i think we've covered most of the main topics yeah. We, there's the bit in the cave, but I mean, it's like another callback. There's not really a lot there. Yeah. Kip does better than Luke does, I guess. Um, uh, so I guess that just leaves like the Death Star plot. If you mm-hmm. want to add anything about like Chewie going there to free the Wookiees, which is, it doesn't really get much focus, but. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I like that. I guess the, the Wookiees are pretty brutal when they kill that. Uh, that. Um, that guy, uh, the one who'd been kind of keeping them captive. Yeah. Um, like, they use their claws, which I remember, I forget what is it, Nice Little Republic that talks about, like, how Wookiees, when they use their claws, they're basically, like, they're shamed out of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, the, uh, the blade that you're finding for Zalbar. Right. Uh, and I think Hanhar is also kind of yeah, shunned for similar He's a thing. Mad Claw, right? Isn't that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, Mad Claw. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, but, yeah, this is another, like, subplot where the pacing is really fucking weird. Because mm-hmm. Wedge and Chewie are, are at the Maw installation almost the entire time. But it doesn't seem like they're there for that long. No. And Dalla shows up in Chapter 18... Uh, when they're raiding the Maw installation, trying to get whatever they can. And then the mm-hmm. next time we see Dala, we see her in Chapter 26 and then Chapter 36, when, like, literally everything's already happened with, uh, yeah. like, the Kip plot, the Exar Kun plot. And this is when she just starts her first attack run. So there's, like, a three-second span, almost, <laughs> between the decisions made in Chapter 18 in chapter 36 when she's starting to destroy the Maw installation mm-hmm. uh, she destroys the Maw installation and jumps out into hyperspace while that's happening yeah she KC is over there yeah so yeah I mean there's there's not really much to add I guess one thing that I always wonder is like 
why don't people use more regularly like these medium like assault craft like Chewie uses in this the uh, the gunboats like they seem to be awesome. Are they like skip rays or kind of? They're I that was kind of what I was gamma class assault boats. I think. Oh they yeah, are. the assault. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, they're even bigger than skip rays. I think they hold like probably eight people or something. Mm -hmm. But because like it sounds like they're basically a bus with like turrets. <laughs> Cause like they've got a bunch of Wookies like in the back just like firing. I don't know. Like they always seem to be really really effective. But I don't, the New Republic never really had a fighter like that. I can't think of one. Like some fighters. Like I think the K wing could hold a couple of people. But like I don't think they had a true gunboat really. Did they? I don't know. It, it just—it's a very effective ship type. We see a few times. I—I I think we get a bit of that. Like a lot of that is kind of X-wingy, like the yeah. the games. Yeah. They do show up a lot. Yeah, more because that. they've got the yeah they're, they're various imperial ones. I think even that type specifically shows up in one of the X-wing books or X-wing games. Probably. But uh, but yeah, I guess like Kip draws the Death Star into the into the Maw. His last test with Luke is that he has to uh, destroy the the Sun Crusher by dropping it into the uh, into the black hole. But like everyone just happens to be at Kessel and the Maw at the same mm -hmm. time. They're flying back and forth, uh, pretty much. The Garrison Moon gets blown up, but again, like it's all just very callbacky, and I don't know that anything yeah. really happens with this that isn't just wrapping up an unnecessary plot yeah no i agree um so i like there's not really a whole lot i want to say about it um it, yeah it just it's it's just a lot of plot um not all, the the drama is already very low by this point so it's it's not like it's a chore to get through it i don't feel but mm. it's kind of uh it is kind of boring all right uh so i guess we'll do the ranks and then emails yeah, the last thing I want to say is that the Sun Crusher, why do they ever use that strategy again of flying through shit? That they use, like, in literally the yeah. first battle. They fly through a Star Destroyer's bridge. Maybe do it again. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't blow up the Cauldron Nebula. Just fly through them. <laughs> but but seriously, like, he could have taken out Dala by just flying through the Star Destroyer, and then we wouldn't have had to deal with all her bullshit in, like, 30 years yeah. from now. Or, I mean, you don't want to get hit by the Death Star laser. I think they do say that that would have destroyed the Sun Crusher. But, uh... They take, like, a grazing shot from it, though. Yeah. I mean, he tries to, like, blow it up with the Resonance Torpedo, and it doesn't do anything because it's not enough mass. But Yeah, but he actually, like, he actually gets slightly hit by the Death Star's laser. Yeah, but yeah, I think... He if you're flying directly through it, then he would have been vaporized if he got yeah. a direct hit. And this thing can aim so much better than either the Death Star 1 or Death Star 2. No. <laughs> it's like literally spinning around on its axis like a top. It's it's just like, it's like uh, yakety saxing around the battlefield. Like, But, uh, it's just me, or was the, okay, so the, I kind of like the Stormtrooper Commander as a character. He's kind of funny because he's like a, not a foil, but he's like the opposite of the stupid bureaucrats. Mm -hmm. Um, but is it just me, or does the guy actually do a pretty decent job of, like, tracking uh, Kip in the... Because he actually hits Kip once in when he takes command of the uh, Death Star prototype, so... Yeah, but 
like they they couldn't even hit the right when they're going for Kessel, they couldn't even hit the right target there. Mm-hmm. Like they hit the Garrison Moon instead of the planet, which I think is supposed to be a fuck up on like who was targeting what. But yeah. it's just the fact that they do that and then they hit the uh, they hit the Sun Crusher is just, and I think they also hit like a Corvette. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's ridiculous. Yeah, because like there's a really easy way to not get shot by a Death Star and just literally move slowly out of the way. Yeah. So like there's kind of a bit of issue with that. Because this thing is moving way too quickly. Like, the Death Star, it should, it should, like, they get it right in a new hope. It moves into position by orbiting around a planet, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this, like, a new hope would have been very different if the Death Star prototype was there. It just would have showed up, turned its ass around, and blowed the planet, then probably f- flown to Coruscant through real space. <laughs> well, the, uh, what really would have happened in episode four is instead of the Starfighter battle, it would have been the Death Star targeting each individual starfighter and blowing it up that way <laughs> yeah i kind of find it i find it funny too how the stormtrooper captains like put the power i forget who it is actually he's like put the power down to 50 percent. that should be enough like maybe put the power down to like 0.05 percent and that should be enough considering the thing can blow up a goddamn planet <laughs> like yeah yeah that's all the only other thing I want to say is there's kind of... I don't know if this was picked up, but there's a reference to a fleet of Victory Star Destroyers at one point, and I was wondering if that was like a Crimson Command reference. Uh, there's like yeah, there's a reference so to Victory Star Destroyers in the core. Yeah, maybe then. Yeah. But it, like Victories were a very popular Star Destroyer type regardless, so... Yeah. Uh, but I guess moving to the ranks, I've already put it where it's going to be for me. Uh, you put it up on screen. Yeah, it's gonna be there in a second. Uh, for those listening to the audio version, uh, we both got the for the most part, uh, Plagueis Thrawn trilogy at the top. I'm what I want to do is get this into a spreadsheet, hopefully for next time, mm-hmm. and then link them in the podcast descriptions. But uh, I oh wow, I've actually edged out Kratos Trap in last place for for this one champions of the force is my new bottom huh i don't know how okay so that's interesting champions of the force the worst book we've read so far for you i don't Hmm. dislike all of it but there are several parts that i do just actively dislike the pacing is kind of weird uh the plots that i felt like were the major plots kind of get resolved in ways that don't really they aren't satisfying and then they introduce a lot of stuff that is also not satisfying that i just wasn't interested Mm in uh and Krydos, even though nothing really happened in the book there was still some decent character development with that and uh some of the interactions i liked more like with this it might even be the first book we've read that i just dislike Hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. I think I'm going to put it... I'm trying to figure out whether I want it to be above or below Truce of Pakura. Hmm. I'm going to put it below Truce of Pakura. Um, same issues you had. If it was paced better and if there was less... Like, I was just kind of basically flipping through the last, you know, 100, 150 pages or so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to agree. I think, honestly, for this one, it's one that I would actually recommend the audiobook if you guys want to listen to it. Um... The audiobook does a really good job. It covers all the main points. Honestly, one thing I noticed, too, is for most of the main sections, 
the audiobook actually straight up excerpts the novel, which usually the if the audiobook is abridged, it will you know cut out exposition or whatever else, whatever else. But because you can really make this book super lean, um, you get a lot out of it just by listening to the audiobook. Yeah, like we got to get an audible link for our for our podcast. Like my main thing is just that I can understand the stories revol- resolving how they did if it was a longer book and it took that long to get there it's just by chapter 13 we've resolved what i felt was the main plot of the uh, mm-hmm. or one of the main plots of the series and in a way that felt rushed despite having so much book left yeah uh we don't need to do the death star prototype stuff that that alone spending a bit more time on uh kip and the jedi stuff instead of that would have probably yeah. moved this up a few spots for me but could probably could have been a duology to be honest yeah um and we're going to be talking about a bit more of uh the resolution of those plots in i jedi as well so i don't even really remember what happened in uh, dark apprentice anymore (laughs) like like what even happens in that book i guess kip just turns evil Gantorus dies like that's where all the jedi academy stuff happens yeah yeah because there's only like two chapters of that in this one and there's no chapters of that in Jedi Search because it's just Luke getting Gantoris and Streen. Mm-hmm. And then I guess Gantoris is dead within three chapters. And yeah. So, yep. All right. So let's, I guess that's basically a review too. Let's go over some emails. Um, the first one we got so, uh, is... Sorry, we're going to do emails, but also if anyone has any questions in the stream chat, you can just uh, tag uh, Corey's data pad so that I can see them and we'll try to go through a few of those if there's any after we're done with the emails and just a reminder if if we don't read all your email on podcast just know that we have read all of it sometimes if there's just multiple questions we'll just we'll just pick out a couple yeah for there are a lot that say like really nice things about us and we do read that and we appreciate that it's just for the podcast since there are a lot of emails we usually just truncate it down to uh the the questions themselves Mm -hmm. i i forward every single one of those to my father um so keep them coming. Um, so Gabe says, hope you all are well. Question regarding Boba Fett's character. Why do you think Canon did away with Adol Boba so quickly and permanently? Today's one of those popular mysterious Star Wars characters. Uh, they could have handled his development much better. I mean, I don't think they have done away with him. He's not no. for sure dead in new canon. He could still come back. People are saying he's in the Mandalorian, uh, maybe. And I think it is possible. Um, so, yeah. I don't... I don't I, I think that there's still lots of story that can be told, and there's lots of fun stories that could be told, like a la, um, what's it called? The uh, the Moss Eisley can Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina, which I would like to see. We got some of that, I think, in it from a certain point of view. We get a, a cool Boba Fett story. Um, mm-hmm. So, and eventually, once we get, I know we're getting a certain point of view essentially for episode five at some point so i imagine we'll get some boba stuff in there uh and yeah yeah like it was uh just because they haven't done anything with him yet doesn't mean it's not coming and i think my money or my guess would just be that uh for so long they were planning on making a boba fett movie uh Mm -hmm. and like the obi-wan movie turned into kenobi the tv series uh and i i I think the mandalorian kind of grew out of the plans for the Boba Fett movie, turning that into yeah. uh, into a TV series instead, and then not having it be Boba Fett instead of having it be a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, especially now because he's not really a Mandalorian himself. But 
Yeah. That was kind of like what they were going with with the bounty hunter thing. So I think Boba will probably be back at some point. I'm also fine with him not playing such a huge role in uh, in new canon and maybe even just having uh, the Mandalorian kind of take some of that role that Boba had mm-hmm. as like restoring Mandalore uh, and having maybe some stuff between Han and Boba. So it's just the personal aspect of it. But yeah. Yeah. And we, like, we know, for example, like on your point that they avoided talking about Coruscant because they thought that it was going to be a big thing in episode nine. So it's very possible. And then, of course, it didn't end up being because the script changed or whatever else. So it's very possible that, yeah, that they either do have or at one point they had stories for him. They didn't want to write themselves into a corner. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So our next question is from alexander it's a so it's generally about uh having read a book called stars and philosophy alexander wants to know uh certain things about the force uh there are quite a few elements to this question it's it gets into a bit of a longer discussion on the nature of the force i think he's in the chat right now as well thanos um and Some I think we'll, we'll probably cover most of that. The reason, why, like, I'm just going to say, when we get to NJO with the mm-hmm. Regier stuff, that'll cover a lot of it, I think. Yeah. Like, um, I think a lot of Jason's journey is going to touch on a lot of these points. Uh, for now, there are certain elements to it that are best addressed. It's just, like, different authors are doing different things. And since it's, it's mm-hmm. a lot of different interpretations that come in in different places. Uh, mm-hmm. So trying to mix, like, the movie stuff with the expanded universe stuff gets i will say there's questions about like free will and i I do think star wars is because they talk about that in plagueis a bit too um where i I forget which sith it was maybe it was plagueis's master who thought the universe was basically deterministic um and could be predicted and everything um but then, then there's issues of free will there but I don't think that's really the message of Star Wars. I think Star Wars is really largely about personal choice. Like, like I think that's the whole point of the Vader story, about like personal choice and family and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so I don't think Star Wars is meant to be... It, it, has, it has religious aspects to it, yes, but I don't think it's supposed to be an argument about, against free will or anything like that. Although the, the Force does sort of exert itself sometimes yeah but i don't think on like a day-to-day level the force is like fucking burning my pizza because i was a bit of a dick to kelsey like this morning yeah like the force has a will and then uh the fact that the jedi go so hard on like executing the will of the force sort of implies that it doesn't happen automatically and how hard they Mm -hmm. have to struggle to make sure that they're doing the right thing by what the force wants Mm -hmm. uh which also gets into some of jason's stuff about like well is what we're doing actually a reflection of what the force wants and is what the force wants necessarily the right thing to do isn't it more about like uh what you are trying to accomplish rather than uh whether there's like is force lightning inherently evil and should Mm -hmm. we be using electric judgment instead because that is so much better yeah it's kind of like there's a distinction that they make between like the living force and the cosmic force as well um so but yeah thanks for that question is there anything else there you want to address or should we move on Again, we'll, uh, no, we'll t- I we'll think, talk about lots of it later. Yeah, I think a lot of that is going to come into regular discussions on NJO stuff. So it's probably best to have that as um, a recurring theme, but I don't know that we'll be able to 
answer everything in that email at once. I like this email from Justin who says, first things first, Corey, uh, is that Revan's Revenge mod an actual thing that you were working on or was it an April Fool's joke? I really can't tell. Uh, the, the Revan's Revenge stuff was something that I made and put in a video that was released on April 1st. Uh, three years apart, I did two different videos of it. And there are assets that were made for a mod in that period that is something that Reflections. happened. Yeah. It's something that I'd like to do. We have some prep work for it uh, and will likely happen at some point. But we are not mm-hmm. like actively working towards it. That's by the far moment. the most straight answer I've ever heard you get. Yeah, no one listens question. to the fucking podcast. I mean, there's 100 people here right now. And we do um, get a lot of people who listen to podcasts. But it's not usually the same yeah. audience, so it's yes. easier to answer that way. Um, he also mentions crack spiders <laughs> would be a good enemy on Kessel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how one of the reasons people like the post Ender era was because we didn't know what was going to happen. Would you say the same reasoning applies to why some people like the old Republic era? Because we know wh- while we knew the eventual outcome, there was still a lot of unknown. I, I personally agree with that. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm a little less excited for Project Luminous because it's like a hundred years before. Yeah. Like there's not enough time, I think. Yeah, especially, so I think the biggest thing there is less about knowing what happened. It's what scope are the stories on? When you're trying yes. to tell a galactic scale importance type of story, uh, and it's a period where we know what comes out of it, then mm-hmm. it's less interesting because we know that the Clone Wars is going to end with the Empire. But when it mm-hmm. comes to the individual personal stories in it, uh, and even with... Uh, like post Endor stuff and new canon, we know it's leading towards the First Order. So stories about like Luke setting up the Jedi Academy isn't as interesting to me because we know what happens mm-hmm. with Kylo and his students. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the Mandalorian is set in that same period. We know what happens on a galactic level. We know that that Imperial Warlord is probably not going to succeed in what he's doing on a galactic scale. But the stuff that happens. Uh, like what's the Mandalorian's role going to be within Mandalorian society? What happens with the Mandalorians? Mm. What are the individual character arcs that those people go on? That can still be a lot more interesting. Uh, is the Mandalorian like, is it 10 after Endor? I think it's eight. Eight. Okay. Or yeah. Is it, yeah, I think it's eight after Endor. Hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. So that's a, that's a good question. Thanks for that. Um, the next one is from Chris, who says, I've recently listened to the Star Wars radio dramatizations. I was wondering what your thoughts were on them, mainly the additions made to the New Hope dramatization, as well as the voices of the characters. Most importantly, John Lithgow's Yoda. Uh, I haven't listened to Empire Strikes Back recently, but I do like the A New Hope, uh, or just the Star Wars uh, radio dramatization. And I like the Return of the Jedi one. And I posted something on Twitter the other day. I don't know if, or not the other day. It was a few months ago, actually. Don't know if you saw it, Corey, but it was like, uh, Vader's, how different the uh, the scene is where he throws Palpatine down the shaft in the dramatization is just so much more extra. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if I can find the. Let's see if I can find the quote. Uh, Vader, Palpatine. But have you ever listened to them before? No, I'm only familiar with them through like individual clips like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really have anything worth adding to that. I find the uh, I find the the New Hope one especially I, I think is really good it adds quite a bit like you get 
lots of scenes from uh, lots of scenes from what's his name's point of view. Um, Anakin Skywalker. No, uh, Antilles, uh, Captain Antilles. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, here's the quote. I, I tweeted the Star Wars OT audio dramas are very dramatic and very theatrical. Palpatine says, "Vader, release me, Vader! I command you, put me down." Vader says, "I will." Down the core shaft to your death. And then Palpatine says, Vader, I am your master. Then Vader says, Darth Vader's master, but not Anakin Skywalker's. And then he eats him down the shaft. It's actually and then Palpatine, good. as he's falling down the shaft, I am currently plummeting to my death. <laughs> it, uh, it is pretty fun, though. I don't know. Were there multiple dramatizations? Because I think that's the... I think those were the NPR... was. I don't know if there was like a BBC one as well. I, I really don't know a lot about the radio dramas. Um, and yeah, I, I can't speak to John Lithgow's Yoda, but thank you very much for that um, for that email. Should we move on? Uh, yep, next we have from Daniel. Uh, he opens up with a lot of nice stuff about us. Uh, then he asks, does this trilogy, the Jedi Academy, or yeah, Jedi Academy trilogy relate to Jedi Knight Jedi Academy? Uh or is the name more of a coincidence? Which one happens first? We talked about this a little bit. Uh, they're not directly related. Some of the same characters are sort of implied to be there. But Jedi Academy, the game, is about uh, up to ten years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think... I'm not clear on the exact time, but it is significantly later. Yeah, um, I mean, Jedi Outcast is is much uh, sooner, but Jedi Academy is like... Right before the Vong War, basically. Yeah, it's very close to the Vong War. It's it's in the twenties, ABY. It's just I'm not sure if it's twenty. It might even be up to fifteen years later because it's like twenty four ABY that the Vong invade, and this is about eleven ABY, eleven to twelve. So, mm-hmm. see if I uh, find the because uh, like everyone else the... is a Jedi Knight now, and they're taking on apprentices and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Like Kyle Katarn is a. I don't know if he's a master, but he's. He's at least the knight assigned to Jaden, isn't he? Yeah, I Kyle is. is this, at this point. Kyle is Jaden Rosh's master. Corin gets an apprentice in it. Uh, oh, apparently we're wrong. It only happened in fourteen ABY. Is that right? Academy. Yeah, I guess so. There's no fucking way. I guess so. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense from a. But I just I just googled it and. Okay. Well, well kind of Star weird. Wars. Uh, unrelated yeah. to the topic of your podcast, if you could recommend five books that give me give me a brief overview of the post and or legends, what would the books be? That would be nice. Uh, trying to read the source mm. books is really daunting. If I do have a mid understanding of legends, uh, three books. Probably do the Thrawn trilogy. In the Thrawn duology, or five books, I do the Thrawn trilogy and the Thrawn duology. Honestly, if yeah. I had to limit myself to five. Yeah, because like it's hard to give five that don't include. The Thrawn trilogy, at least, mm. and then, or at least one of them. But then you're you've got to read all of them if you really want. Yeah, this the full picture there. So those are basically the, the bookends. Like stuff does happen before and at, well, like the bookends for the pre NJO stuff, and then you can't get into that, like the NJO and the other stuff with, with only five books. Um, yeah, but there is like honestly, the Essential Guide to Warfare does a good job. Uh, other than that, like. You can always listen to audiobooks like, it, like 
they're much shorter, so it's a little less daunting. But mm-hmm. I would just read the trilogy and then the duology, and then figure out whether you want to pluck away at what's in the middle or whatever's on either side, basically. Uh, yep. I mean, Justin really wants to say that you should just read the Darkness trilogy. Those are his favorites. I was going to say just read the Truce of Pakura five times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that's only one part of the of the Siruvi War that's going on in the background throughout the entire period. Yes. Um, that's true. Listen, read the Jedi Prince books, Crystal Star, uh, Children of the Jedi. New Rebellion. New Rebellion. Yeah, which I don't think I've ever read. I know I've mentioned that before, so I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to that one. I've got a copy now, so... It's mint. It's fucking mint. For some... Like, all these books I got from a used bookstore are, like, completely amazing condition, so... I have, anyway, I have like, one or two that were from a library. I think my copy mm-hmm. of uh, Dark Lord is from a library, and... It, is that hard? Isn't that a hardcover book? Did they release a softcover for that? Yeah, they did. Okay. All of my books I have in softcover except for Outbound Flight and a couple of the uh, Fate of the Jedi or mm-hmm. Legacy of the Force books that I still have in hardcover. And I think I have everything in Fate of the Jedi and Legacy of the Force, at least Legacy of the Force, in both hard and softcover. Hmm. Awesome. Quite a collection. I couldn't find I couldn't find them when I was looking for them. Like I had I thought I had all of Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi. I wasn't sure where they were. I found like four of each of them in uh in some boxes cuz all of our stuff was like packed into a barn. And mm-hmm. then I just bought all of them again in soft cover and found the at least some of them they've got a there's still more out there i still have to have some of these books but i don't know where they would be but anyways yeah like i've just got like this dedicated used bookstore at my house that's just like has really great shit like they get new star wars books it seems like every week they 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 switch well i don't go every week but every month or so they they get new ones so mm-hmm. they're completely new shelf they also have like probably literally 200 star trek books um but yeah Thanks for that question. The next one we've got is from Henry, who says, I've been loving the podcast. Wondering if you've been given thought to move past some of the less important novels and write into NJO. Um, he says that there are probably hundreds of podcasts covering some of the older novels. Do we need more coverage of Black Fleet Crisis Crystal Star? I don't really know. Are there really that many podcasts that cover? Like, maybe, but I wouldn't say there's any... I wouldn't say NJO has gotten any less coverage than Black Fleet Crisis. Yeah, that probably has the most coverage and... Uh, it is, it's kind of important stuff for like the formative years of the, of the universe. And at least for me, part of what I'm enjoying about the reread is like getting all that context. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like we definitely, NJO is definitely like one of the big flagship series that I'm looking forward to getting to. There's a lot of payoff if uh, we do all the work first, basically. Yeah. Cause a lot of stuff gets introduced that NJO kind of brings together yeah. And NJO alone is going to be a long project, but like if like if we don't if we don't read the Corellian trilogy, we're missing out on like all the Thraken stuff, for example. We won't know who he is, really. I mean, we will, we will know, but we won't have all that history. That's just like an example. Yeah. Um, same if like if you don't read Truce of Bakura, like there's like you miss all the Bakuran stuff. Um, it's like each like 
I'd say pretty much every part of the, like every little series in the Bantam era gets at least some shout out in NJO. I'm trying yeah. to think of anything, if anything from Dark Fleet really. It, uh, like all the Bantam the... stuff is uh, kind of the like standalone Captain America, Iron Man movies, and then NJO is the Avengers. Mm-hmm. So, right. Good question, though. But, yeah, I, th- I think we'll probably keep the keep the course. Um, Michael asks, will there be any Tap Calf merch? I think we've got to do... Eventually, we've got to do a... Like, we got to get a proper logo and stuff. Um, after that, I mean, nothing's off the table, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, let me know what you... Let us know what you guys want. Um, yeah, right now, this is just a passion project. But, listen, I'm money-grubbing, so... Yeah. <laughs> well... Well, what? Uh, no, sorry. Thought I missed something there. Okay. But, yeah, it, it'd be definitely something to look into that it'd be either yep. available on both channels or if we went through, like, a third-party kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to get maybe um, an Audible link, too, for us because I'm always recommending these audiobooks. Uh, it's a good way for you guys to listen along. Although, like I said, some of them... Are bridged and a little sketchier, but some something something would be good if you guys are looking to. There are ways you, we could get for you guys to support the channel if you're interested. Yeah. Right now, and I know Corey has a Patreon. Mine's not active, I don't think, right now, but Corey has one. So, if you want to support him that way, you can. Otherwise, just watching the videos and sharing the podcast is really really helpful. Yeah, for me, like the the Datapad videos, uh, they only get so many views uh, compared to what Ek gets. So the podcast episodes do about as well as my other videos so they are a big part of why i'm not uh homeless right now so there you go just make sure that you watch the podcast yeah leave a like the yeah we could definitely get some mugs we got some some sayings or something i don't know we'll, we'll figure it out yeah that we could have some incel luke mugs going out <laughs> in, within weeks but the yeah the tap calf logo is literally something that justin made in the space of a few minutes before we started uh so yeah. it might be something where we try to update that a bit more and then once uh once it's time for us to make our appearance on our first uh Star Wars celebration panel <laughs> that's we're going to just show up with so many mugs yeah stickers as well they'll all be branded as like Star Wars explained but they're going to be ours <laughs> and they will be his like I'll have just pocketed his but yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to his panels first buy up all his merch and resell it for 10% more. Ooh, good idea. Or just steal the merch, I think. But, uh, yeah, so there were a couple questions in the chat. Uh, just one or two. Uh, I'll scroll up a bit. Die Ghostfish says, I guess Kip wasn't a New Republic citizen since neither his family's home nor Kessel were in the New Republic, and the crime occurred in Imperial space, so there's no jurisdiction. Nah. Uh, I think you got inherent jurisdiction if someone commits a war crime. Well, there's also the fact that he was in their custody on their planet and stole yes, the Sun Crusher the from thing. the New Republic thing. At the it very was least, a military be asset that. at that point. Yeah. So, war crimes have to be handled somehow, and yes. they're claiming jurisdiction over the galaxy. The Empire is an illegitimate government. The New Republic is trying to reestablish. Uh, the proper republic, so they'd probably claim some level of legal authority everywhere. Uh, and it's not until the Paleon Gaverson uh, Treaty. I think it's the, only the Paleon Gaverson Treaty where each recognizes the other as a legitimate galactic government, though. Yeah, but like, 
the the New Republic wouldn't be like if, if a planet didn't join the New Republic, like Bakura, for example, if they weren't a part of the New Republic, the New Republic wouldn't be you know inserting well, their jurisdiction over a Bakuran citizen unless they did a crime in New Republic space or a war crime or something. It like depends that. on how much they consider New Republic space to cover uh, what was Republic space and how closely integrated those planets were within the Republic. So like how Tatooine I don't think they would was, at all to be honest. I don't think they're going to use Republic jurisdiction. I think they'd probably want to. Well, Star Wars legal stuff is never really fleshed out, but the the way the Rebellion identifies themselves and the New Republic identifies mm-hmm. itself is as the alliance to restore the Republic. They are yeah. essentially claiming to be the legitimate galactic government at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, especially because of how the Empire refers to the rebellion as just the rebellion and then yeah. the the new republic refers to the empire i think legally if there was if like clearly they don't give a fuck about laws because they think they have no authority as a government in the first place they give up mm-hmm. all legal authority here but i don't know there's just a lot of talk about like trying to coax neutral systems into joining the new republic and... yeah they do that as like a matter of diplomacy but in terms of exerting their legal rights to certain things because hmm. it'd be i guess kind of like after the american civil war mm-hmm. uh if you committed a murder in the confederate states mm-hmm. the union government later after the end of the war probably would have still considered that a crime on united states territory because it was an insurgent government and they still consider that territory theirs. Yeah, but I don't think... But the, the Republic was always, like... I don't know. I, I think we're, it was always kind of a voluntary system of joining the Republic. And, like... I don't know. I, I, just, I just don't think the New Republic would be inserting their jurisdiction over uh, neutral planets, really. I'm trying to think of an example. Um well, this is this is basically a crime committed by someone within the Republic against a member system. So, yes. as the federal government, that's kind of where their jurisdiction would lie. Well, Corita wasn't a member system, though. It was of the Republic. So, again, it just gets back to how much they see themselves as a legitimate successor state to the Republic right. and what legal form they see the Empire as having. So, and that's yeah. stuff that never really gets addressed. What is it? Which story? I guess we get in the Rogue Squadron stories a bit, don't we? About how the New Republic doesn't want to be seen interfering in independent planets. Isn't don't we get some of that in the Rogue Squadron books? Hmm. But yeah, it's a, you're. It's never really fleshed out very well. So, I mean, we, it's also legally we also see the Chief of State just naming her successor. I mean, legally so. the Chief of State was also a bird for a bit. So. <laughs> 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 he actually gets succeeded by a 12-piece bucket from KFC. <laughs> it's actually the same guy, which is crazy. Um, yeah, interesting so, question. Ghostfish asks, if a rogue Argentinian who had been imprisoned by the Soviets nuked, nuked Moscow during the Cold War, how could the USA try him? Uh, if the rogue agent, or if the rogue Argentinian went to the States, stole a nuke from the States, and then yes. flew that nuke to Russia to nuke them, then he'd get at least tried for stealing the nuke. Yes. It's also weird because it's not a cold war at this point either. It's like an act of... It's a hot war. Like, they're full of conflict. Um, 
I'd say it'd be like if a private entity took some arms from the United States and went into a uh, went into a war zone and shot up a bunch of like civilians, but they pay them to do that. So good job, mm-hmm. Blackwater. It's kind of difficult too because mostly the New Republic leaves like matters like that to local systems, and the New Republic is more like a very limited like 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 unitary power like they don't like like they're really just providing military service or military protection like some level of like common laws probably and like maybe some like disaster relief but like the new republic's not like charging criminals on most planets like if you murder someone on Corita or if you murder somebody on Corellia the Corell- well another bad example if you murder somebody on it on new republic member world that planet's government and that planet's courts are probably the one who who will be uh, trying you, not the New Republic. Well, if if we're talking about like as a member world of the New Republic, then there probably would be some uh, general defense uh, on their federal level against. Uh, if you just kill everyone in the system, then oh you yeah, can't be tried for sure. There, so yeah, no, I, I just mean like just generally, like it seems like the New Republic was more like very high level because the i mean that makes sense because the galaxy is so diverse um you know you star wars rarely gets into what the actual division of powers would be between it but like haven't had a good discussion of subsidiarity or anything (laughs) well the like episode one is padme talking about uh like oh slavery is illegal in the republic so it implies a certain level of uh, right common norms probably or like well, it it was sounding like an actual thing yeah, that sorry, was I mean, legally like, enforced, I mean, like, legal, but, like, yeah. uh, but just, or legally mandated, just not enforced because they had, like, Republic power out of, over yeah. those parts of the Outer Rim where the Huts were actually in charge is just nominal at best. Yeah, that's kind of Institutional figured, strength like, was not existent. There's probably certain requirements to join the Republic, like, you probably had to, you know, not murder your citizens regularly, for example, like... But they they do, do they do talk about that slavery stuff a bit in Fate of the Jedi as well. Mm-hmm. So like, there definitely were like legal requirements on member states. But like, well, Star Wars is just talk- so focused on the military aspects that we only really hear about the military aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the Corellia, the Second Confederation is pissed off about the limits on uh, local right. forces and everything. But yes. and then there's the Empire, and they just like read the exact opposite, and they. Had basically no local governments, just imperial uh, moths and governors and everybody, mm-hmm. basically. Anyway, I think that's basically it. Is there any other thing you want to address, or should we wrap her up and say see you next uh, time? There was one question from Thrawn about what canon books you recommend. I don't have that much of a background with there. I do like the Thrawn books, but yeah, do you have Thrawn books are good. Um, Lost Stars is good. Bloodlines, mm-hmm. not bad. Uh, the uh, the Battlefront Two Inferno Squad book I thought was really good, or not really good, but, but it was pretty good. Other than that, I'm trying to think. Mm, I'm just looking at my 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 bookshelf here. Um, I don't know. I didn't like Alphabet Squad. That was the one that really disappointed me. I thought Alphabet Squadron was pretty crappy. Maybe we can read the the second one though when it comes out and. Do a, a, video, a podcast on that. Mm. 
then I think we just had one last question from Tridone. Do you think Luke did some exorcist work with the rest of the Masasi temples on Yavin 4, just in case? <laughs> well, I think Exarkun, pro- Exarkun probably would have um, like sucked all the other Sith spirits up when he was doing his ritual, right? So. Yeah, I think the rest were just like focusing crystals, essentially, for yeah uh for his main one mm-hmm. but i do love the plant though it's cool it's a cool idea yeah yeah well corin uh, just goes and blows it up uh the exarcoon temple it's not actually oh. addressed in in this so oh. that'll right. be for next time <laughs> so yeah two weeks next episode will be uh over on X be april 30th yes on my channel uh, we'll be talking about I Jedi. It's a longer book. I've got it right here. Uh, reach. It's like 500 pages, I think. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah, I got the hard copy, and yeah, it's Jesus. Yeah, for uh, nearly 500 pages or a little bit more. Uh, so if you want to read that, get started. Uh, do not be doing the audiobook for that one, from what I remember. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have. Do you want to sign us out, Corey? Uh, yeah, and I can actually, I can do a whole outro without you just cutting me off in the middle of it. So that'll be fun. But uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Tapcalf Transmissions. The audio version of the podcast will be up in uh, hopefully a day or two, depending on when we get all the files together for that. But we've been really shitty at posting those properly uh, in a timely manner, and we're going to try to get better at that. Uh, there were also some reports of a few of the episodes not working properly through Spotify, which mm. is seems to be a common problem that's been happening with our stuff from Podbean. Uh, I, fi- I thought I fixed the... I re-uploaded the Back to War podcast because uh, that was playing the Rise of Skywalker review that we did somehow, mm. even though that was months before Rise of Skywalker came out. Mm. Uh, but now one of the emails we got today uh, was saying that two of the other ones were messed up now, so I'm going to check into that. Uh, <sighs> It's annoying because Podbean's a paid service. Like, I pay for that every month. So, yeah, we'll see if that's just uh, something on the side of whatever RSS feed was being used or if it's an actual issue with the download. So let us know when that kind of stuff comes up, and we'll do our best to address it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. Justin, anything you want to say? Goodbye.